Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Kofefi Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, July 13th, and uh, Kofefi Break is a show that we do uh, live on Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific time. I'm your co-host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined by the woman who almost always wears a hat and has lived up to her reputation today, Carrie mm. Smith. Uh, Hi, Carrie. Carter. I, I don't think it's almost always. I think it's like 50%. Really? I well, I mean, people refer to you as like pe- people expect you to wear a hat. So I think the chat people can can chime in here, but I'm pretty sure, pretty sure it's you have just a reputation that people don't for hats. wear them often enough that when you wear one a few times, then people are like, "Oh, hats." Huh, fair. How are you? You know, I'm well, but I. It's been a while since I read Atlas Shrugged, and I spent too much time reading Atlas Shrugged this weekend because I forgot how much I really like it. So, uh, I don't know. Well, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Well, I went down some rabbit holes this weekend. Uh oh. Are we? Do we get to do conspiracy theories? Because I love when you do conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, you you prompted me a little bit, but I didn't look all, too much into that thing. Oh no, I'm way beyond. That. I've went past oh, okay. that one. That's old hat. Oh. Um. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> First of all, if you're new here, welcome to Unsafe Space. This is a live show that we do on Mondays and Fridays. And I know we have some new uh, viewers, so we're glad you're here. And uh, uh, what else? We have a we have a very new – we have a, another show we do called Deprogrammed where we sometimes interview people. And that, that show is, is more specifically honed in and focused on social justice ideology, which is my old belief system. And we kind of pull it apart episode by episode. The, we just released a new episode yesterday with Paul Vanderclay. And if you haven't seen it yet, this is one of my favorites. Um, it, it was really interesting. We got to talk to Paul all about Christianity and the social justice gospel and how the two are incompatible. But what was even more interesting was that he kind of opened my eyes to the, I don't know very much about the prosperity gospel. I've learned a little bit about it. And so he also he did he did a good job I think comparing the social justice gospel heresy to the prosperity gospel heresy and thought that was interesting, so yeah. check that one out if you haven't seen it. Cool. By the way, I am adjusting levels. People are complaining there's some level issues, so keep it up in chat. Tell me if the levels need more adjusting. Um, I guess we need to start out with a super chat because there's one right away and it's a large one from V Parker. So thank you, V Parker. Uh, oh, that's Elizabeth saying great episode, which I appreciate, Elizabeth, but that wasn't what I meant to put up on the screen. Uh, I meant to put up on this on the screen. Uh, 50 bucks from V. Parker saying, keep up this important work, getting your message out to the public. Thank you, V. Parker. And along those lines, we have a an announcement <laughs> to make, I guess. Um, so yes. there's this, There's the, Carrie showed me this conference coming up called Better Discourses, and it's on August 16th in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is right before the DNC, uh, the Democratic National Convention. Um, And Mikey, Mike Harlow is going to be there. He's going to be on a panel. And you can actually, I'll I'll put it up so you guys can see what the conference is about. But we are thinking that we should, we should go. So let me, let me uh, put this up. Yes. So here are some speakers. You've got everyone from Milo to uh, Carl Benjamin, who is Sargon of Akkad, if you don't know who that is, um, down to Andrew Doyle. Andrew Doyle is uh, Tatiana McGrath, Zuby, oh, yeah. Peter Bogosian, um, Sean Fitzgerald, who was actual justice warrior, who we had on the show before, Jack Posobiec. Anyway, 
we think we should go. So what we what we are what we're doing, what we're proposing to you all is you can help us get there if you would like to. So we made a this is the first time we've done this on Subscribestar. We made I just put this up before the show. We did we ran a quick budget and we said, "Okay, for about 3k, we maybe could do it for a little bit less, maybe a little bit more depending on plane tickets. For about 3k, we can both go." So if you guys want us to go, go there and and fund this as a goal and it's subscribestar.com slash unsafe space it's the first time we've done a goal so i don't know how this will work but uh i don't know where's it at it's on the subscribe star it's it's right on the front page of the subscribe star thing and uh but you know we have a lot we have a lot more uh subscribers now we're up to 11k and so maybe we can start funding stuff like this and going because what we'd like to do is collect footage and just interview people and and talk to people uh, and oh, it's also just a good time to get people on the show, right? Like it's a good time to meet yeah, people. Yeah, we can interview people who are there, but also the DNC is happening that weekend. So we could even potentially do film some stuff there. We'll see. But it looks like <laughs> a, a good time to go. Why are you so, laughing? Someone in chat said, oh my God, conference and knitting retreat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> could be, it could be a conference and knitting retreat. I had not thought of that, but that's totally possible. <laughs> Dr. K is um, thinking about going. She's saying, I bet if we go, she'll oh, cool. go. I don't want to hold her to that. But yeah, I bet if we go, she'll go. Tantalize you with that possibility of all three of us going. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, if you can help out with that specific goal, that would be awesome if you want to see us there. But uh, I'm very excited. Mikey's on a panel. It's going to be fun. Yeah. So, yeah. here's the conspiracy theory holes. Yes, okay, it's not really I'm not telling anybody to go down any particular rabbit hole. What I'm going to what I'm saying is there's something I noticed this weekend that I haven't been aware of. Okay. Um there are all of these young young as in like one of them is 17, so Gen Z, right? Who we've been talking about for a while, a lot of polls seem to indicate that Gen Z is rejecting the woke the woke right. woke activism of the millennials is rejecting social justice ideology, my old belief system. And so some of these young Gen Z kids have started YouTube channels. Um, and the two I was watching this weekend are both young black men. Um, one is named Young Pharaoh and the other one, the 17-year-old, oh gosh, what was his name? Von Tukut. Okay. And they do, one of them did... Von Tukat did a six-hour video, and people watched it. I'm talking wow. young people watched it from beginning to end. It's and it's it's a very interesting, entertaining video. What's interesting about them is they're doing conspiracy theory videos. They're doing the same kind of content I've seen online before, before YouTube started pushing it down, so you couldn't find it. Much like the Pizzagate conspiracy and stuff, they're people pulling all these different facts in and trying to figure something out. Um, but yeah, but what these, makes they're it on YouTube. They're on YouTube, and what makes it interesting is, A, they haven't been banned yet. Right. Uh, the content hasn't been pushed down yet. B, it's it's not coming from the demographic I'm used to seeing this stuff from. It's not from older white guys. It's from Alex young Jones. black men. Right. Yeah. And, and right. C, they're highly entertaining. It's not boring. Like, they're really they're – they bring their personality into it, and it's really funny to watch while you're – potentially being red pilled or whatever. So everything they're saying, now this is the nature of conspiracy theories. They're going to be saying things that are kind of out there. And some of the stuff they're saying is kind of out there. Like one of them, young Pharaoh, watched a video he did all about 
um, Hillary Clinton and, you know, all the people that have been tied to her and the Clinton Foundation who have died. So he's kind of a lot of this is old hat for anybody who's in, in, looked into these. Yeah, but I'm really glad that the young kids are looking at that. You want to explore yes. the Clinton death count? Please, by all means, do it and get your young friends interested. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so Vince Foster, I, who committed I, suicide by putting a gun to the back of his head, shooting it, wrapping himself in carpet and dropping his body off in a park because, you know, that's what you do when you kill yourself. That's what you do, right? So there are very <laughs> suspicious things out there that have never been addressed by the legacy media, and we know why they haven't been. And much like with Pizzagate, I think what happens with these things, they get called conspiracy theory, which didn't CIA coin that CIA term CIA coined anyway? the term conspiracy theory to yeah. discredit people who started talking about the CIA. <laughs> yeah. So... so uh, so, so what happens is because the legacy media doesn't investigate it and the FBI doesn't investigate it, then it's left up to people on the Internet and you get a bunch of you get real facts and things that are that are very suspicious looking mixed in with like crazy theories and commentary. And then they're able the the mainstream, the legacy media is able to say all of that is a hoax. All of that's insane. Right. Like that's that's what they did with right. Gate. But there were some very messed up things in those Podesta emails. I read some of them. Like there are some very weird things that I can't explain. Um and I do think it should have been investigated by the authorities and it wasn't. And so it was and left journalists. up to people and journalists and it wasn't. Um but so yeah, these young kids are these young kids are getting into it. And um the one guy oh somebody said for me to spell their names in chat here I'll put it. One of them is um Von Tukut. I'm going to put this in. V-O-N-T-O-O. <laughs> so wait, while you're doing that, Jamie Osgood says, anyone want to buy this $5,000 ballpoint pen? Includes a sofa, a sofa chewing dog. So this is the thing. I'm out. We actually went to dinner on Friday night. We have to drive an hour away to find a place that can serve dinner in California uh, at outside seating. So we did that. And we're waiting. We had to wait. We got there. There's like an hour wait after we got there. And Carrie's texting me this Wayfair stuff. <laughs> and so I'm standing there. <laughs> and my wife is rolling her eyes like, oh, my God. Like, I'm, I'm showing her the videos. <laughs> Look at this Wayfair stuff. <laughs> and, you like conspiracy theory rabbit holes just as much as me. Yeah, I totally That's do. And she's, I, she's rolling her eyes, right? My wife is like, you know, it, this is this, there's, a, there's a logical explanation for that. Like, she's totally not buying it. But I'm all, I don't know. This is pretty weird. It needs to be explained. But yeah, here's the thing. If we were in a society in which journalists did their job, the debunking of the Wayfair thing, which you pointed out, Carrie, the debunking of the Wayfair thing would not be we called Wayfair and got a statement from them and they said that they're not trafficking in humans. Like, okay, I would expect them to that's, say that that's bunk. <laughs> that's, that's not a debunking. about it is that do I know – do I believe Way, Wayfair is trafficking children I don't know. I have no way of knowing that. I do think there are there were weird, suspicious things on their website, which we could see with our own eyes, and which were these exorbitantly priced pieces of furniture and throw pillows for you know thirty thousand right. dollars. And then and they had coincidence or not, a lot of them were named after the when people started looking into the name. It was people's names, and they were names right. that they could find correlated like missing children with those names. And then when people started talking about Wayfair. They started changing all the names. They started changing all the prices, and they named them all the same thing. So that's weird. 
Uh, does it mean I think they're trafficking kids? There could be some other weird explanation, but the point is, like you're saying, here's what's funny about it. They don't investigate it. The right. real journal, the, the real journalist, the legacy media is never going to look into it. The feds are never going to look into it. And instead, you have people on the internet left to do this. And and so, uh, what do they say? We this is this is the funniest part of all of it. Is what you just pointed out. They say it's been debunked. Okay, how did you debunk it? We got a statement from them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Carrie's a serial murder. How do you? No, she's not. That's been debunked. Why? I asked her. And she I said she definitely her. wasn't. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing, right? And and I I don't I doubt that they're actually human trafficking through Wayfair as a company. Like I I think that's very unlikely. However, it's it's worth investigating as a journalist and like okay Wayfair, then can you explain these things and like let's let's dive into this. Let's figure out what this is because something weird's going on. Can you explain it? Um, but there's nothing like that. It's just it's exactly like the Cernovich hoax video, where yeah. he he talks to the what was that what was that guy's name on sixty minutes, Carrie? Oh gosh, I'm blanking. I, anyway, uh, the sixty yeah, minutes host, right? It's like yelling at certain not yelling, but accusing Cernovich of like, well, you said that Hillary was was sick that she had some problem, and then and Cernovich is like, well, how do you know it was just pneumonia? And he's like, well. Because we asked her and he's like, why would you trust the campaign? Of course, like, of course they said this. And the guy was just like, yeah. Ooh, Scott, whatever his name was. He had no, it, there was like, it didn't, th- he didn't think that like, oh, maybe, maybe we need to question what the person who we're investigating is telling us. It's like the worst, it's the, the funniest cop ever. Yeah. It would be like, did you yeah. commit the crime? Oh, no. I- All right. You're free to go home. All right. He said he didn't do it. I did my report. Yeah, so- Daniel in in chat says uh, Snopes Snopes says it's false, so I guess that settles it. Yeah, yes, Snopes right. Well, Snopes thing. is and using you know, the Wayfair you know statement. Yeah, Snopes used the Wayfair statement. They used the Wayfair. <laughs> that's all they did. So uh, it just it's just funny because they won't ever look into these things. And do and there are here's here's what I know is true, and I've come to believe in the past few years is that it's not just Epstein. There is a huge problem with child trafficking among elites, and it goes uninvestigated and so when something like this comes out people people there's a spidey sense you get because even if this isn't if it's not wafer doing this whatever people know that there is that this is a true thing that happens and they're desperate for someone to investigate and to and to put people behind bars for this stuff and well they know know, it happens and they know it's covered up it's covered up. Right. It's so covered up. By, it's like, so yeah. they're, every time that there's like a bump under the covers, they're like, well, maybe it's under those covers, right? Like yeah. they just, want, yeah. they know something's being covered up. They know that that's happening. So if, if the media, if no one is trusting the authorities and the media to do their jobs, I, I actually think Epstein's a great example. This went on for decades. We had prominent people uh, going to his island on the Lolita Express. We had all this stuff happening in plain sight, very little actual uh, punishment ever for anything. Then the guy dies in jail. And so, so of course, of course, people are, are looking at any kind of indication that something's going on that's nefarious with respect to human trafficking. People are going to say, well, there's probably some sort of cover up because there's always been some sort of cover up. No yeah, one seems to want to investigate it. And so they're going to jump to conclusions because they don't have there's nothing else to do. They just look at the Wayfair thing and they're like. I, I bet it's true. They, you know, something must be true. At some point, they're going to be right. It is true. At some point, one of those things will be true. 
and it right. will probably get thrown into the dustbin along with all the other conspiracy theories because no one's bothering to look at it. So you started talking about this before I got to give the second name. I did put it in chat. Oh, sorry, sorry. This, that's okay. The second one, so the uh, the first one is Von Tukut, V-O-N-T-O-O-C-U-T. And uh, watch his, he's got a six-hour video now. I've got a five-hour road trip later. I think I might try and finish it. But it's called Free Your Mind, Exposing the Matrix. And I was dying laughing. It's very entertaining um, as well. And, he, he, you know, he gets into a lot of, unex I just watched the first hour so far, but it was, it was pretty good. Um, and then the other kid I was watching is uh, Young Pharaoh, and he spells it differently. He spells it young, and then the second word is Pharaoh, P-H-A-R-A-O-H. And uh, which one? The one I watched of his was called Proof That the Democratic Party and Mainstream Media Should Be Charged with Treason. He's also very entertaining. Oh, and both of these kids do PowerPoints. They have a whole PowerPoint display. That's, I like love them already. I love PowerPoint. <laughs> I, maybe it's because I'm old, but maybe PowerPoint's going to come back with the youngins. I love PowerPoint. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. Uh, anyway. That's cool. That's cool. Um, let's, uh, oh, wait. I was, before I was, I was going to do another super chat, but then you, you made me think of something, but now I've lost it. This is what happens when you're old. I don't know. I just lost my train of thought. We'll do a super <laughs> chat. Uh, yeah. Keith the hat guy. Thank you, Keith. Keith says, I recommend Carrie wears a hat. Also, remember, Noah was a conspiracy theorist until it started raining. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, I didn't expect Thank that from Keith. you, but that's a good one. That's a good one. Thank you, Keith. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> okay. Uh wait, there's there's a few more super chats that we wanna I wanna get to. Uh let's see. Why bother? Thank you, why bother? Why bother says my cat says hi, she's a big fan. Uh Thank my you, cat would say hi back to you. Uh I don't know what Carrie's dogs would do. My cat's in heat, actually, roaming around the house, meowing loudly. Uh, so that's pleasant. Okay, uh, Ninja Kitty. Thank you, Ninja Kitty. How much money does a kitty owe for merch purchases? Oh, email me. I don't know. I will look up, but there have been merch purchases. Thank you. I'll do the next one. Will Charlton. Thank you, Will. I don't think I've seen your name before, so thank you. Welcome. Uh, Carlin is right. You're criminally under undersubscribed. Please discuss how parents can interact with teachers, admins, board members safely, effectively, and what to do if we notice indoctrination. Thanks. You know what? I'm going to let Carter take this question because Carter has a kid. Ah, uh, so sorry. I'm I'm noticing all caps that says "get your cat fixed," "spay your cat." What are, I, I know, I know. We're 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 undecided about kittens. That's the problem. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> so. Uh, well, I, I, thanks for throwing me this question, Carrie, because it's like, hey, if someone asked an impossible thing, then, like, uh, that's Carter's question. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Carrie. Uh, how can you interact with teachers, admins, board members safely, effectively, and what to do if we notice indoctrination? Um, well, I guess my first thing to say would be, there is going to be, no matter what society we live in, and obviously especially this one, uh, <clears throat> you don't want your children unarmed intellectually. So uh, if you don't teach them how to think for themselves, so you could indoctrinate them at home and teach them one set of beliefs 
and not to use their mind uh, and just do what I say and this is these are the rules and these are the rules that I believe. But the problem with that is, uh, among other things, when complete competing beliefs come along and there's more peer pressure behind those beliefs because dad's not cool anymore or mom's not cool anymore and uh, and there's a lot of social pressure and maybe some even some other incentives to believe to switch beliefs, the beliefs will be switched because they're not grounded in anything. You need your child to uh, you need your child to trust their own judgment to be taught that their own judgment is what matters to them and what should matter to them more than anyone else's judgment. So my daughter, for example, should care about how she feels about her behavior more than she cares about how I feel about her behavior. It doesn't mean she doesn't care what I think, but she needs to she needs to understand why things are the way they are and what her opinion about them is herself and that her own reasoning mind is the tool that she needs to fall back on. And so the nice thing about social justice is it's completely ludicrous. It's stupid. It's completely unworkable. It can't possibly function in reality. That's why they need to borrow tools from postmodernists because the postmodernists were like navel gazing, you know, I, I don't I hesitate to even put the word philosopher in quotes, right? They're, they're, they're gazing at their navel going like, don't pay attention to our mumblings because well, I'm not even sure about reality, but we like to think, right? So they, they just, you know, came up with a bunch of crap that's not even supposed to correspond to reality told people not to pay attention to them, but obviously the social justice warriors, when they when they need to defend themselves or have no argument against uh, the real problems with their philosophy, they just grab some tools from, from postmodernists and then they use them to evade. But if you if you raise your child in a way where they respect reason as their as their primary tool of cognition, if they if they understand that they're responsible for their own conclusions, if they know um, how to think critically and why. So well, like if someone disagrees with something I've said, I don't tell my daughter that they're wrong. I say, well, what do you think about it? Let's talk about it. Maybe I'm wrong. What are their arguments? Go ask them. Go ask your grandparents what their arguments are. Let's, let's, let's find the best arguments they have and see if maybe we're thinking about this the wrong way, right? And that is a is preparation. It doesn't guarantee that they're not going to be affected by indoctrination. But that's actually, I think, more important than running to the indoctrinators and telling them, please stop indoctrinating so strongly. Because the truth is, the the teachers, the, the board members, uh, the, the people in your community they that, that are indoctrinating, they don't have any interest in not indoctrinating. They're indoctrinating. They know that they're indoctrinating, even if they won't admit it. They... You, can you have an interaction with them that's pleasant? Yes, but only if you kind of shut up and comply. Like if you're going to stand up against what they're doing, they're going to get angry at you or they're going to stop paying attention to you. That's going to happen. There's no there's no magic solution to that. It's, it's like saying, how do I convince Hitler that the Jews are good people? Y you don't. You don't you don't have that conversation with him. It's not going to go well, right? You don't you you distance yourself from Germany is what you do. Um and so I, I'm a huge fan of homeschooling. I'm a huge fan of unschooling. I'm a huge fan of, even if you're going to find, there's probably some private schools out there that aren't super woke, although that's probably becoming less and less the case. Um, so if you've got to interact with them, I mean, the best you can do, I think, is slow it down. And you can slow it down by asking them questions. Well, isn't this racist? Isn't that racist? What about this? What about, you know, doesn't this affect these kids? Appealing to their empathy, as Carrie talks about all the time, right? Appealing to their emotions about the situation, because a lot of these teachers are not doing it based on ideology. They're doing it because this is what they were taught. They're taught that if they're 
they care about their students and they care about society. This is the new paradigm that we need to teach. And so that's how they're doing it. So if you can get them to kind of ask questions about how maybe how it's hurting kids of um, other kids of color, or maybe how it's hurting some of the very people that they're purporting to help, that might slow them down a bit. Um, I, I think it's unlikely that they're going to suddenly drop the social justice indoctrination because they're in a they're in a group of people, their superiors, their colleagues, their the, you know city council, their community who are all woke as f and are going to push them to do this. But maybe you could slow it down. Um, I, and I don't think there's much more that you can do. About, I'm not trying to be I have pessimistic. Well, but we know parents. We know a few, a couple of parents, not a, not a lot, but uh, one in particular I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. who have sued or threatened to sue. He did sue, and but it didn't did work. Sue. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that ending end result. Well, I mean, we can, we can ask him. We've, I, yeah. I mean, I do talk to him frequently. Yeah. He, he, or periodically he, it didn't work. It didn't stop what was happening. Right. It they looked at MS well, scans. They, you know, it was kind of, it's like when you argue on Facebook, Carrie, do you understand that racism is actually prejudice plus power, Carrie? Let me explain to you how it works. You don't understand. But, but right? here's the thing. But that was in California, okay? And California True. is a little different than some of the other states, which have protections Thank against you. discrimination on the basis of race or sex. Right. California, by the way, I just sent you a link, Carter. I don't know mm. if you can put this up. Sure. Um, this is happening right now. This is It's from last month, but this is happening now in California. Um California lawmakers seek to reinstate affirmative action by repealing Proposition 209. The Assembly Constitutional Amendment 5 is now in the hands of the state Senate. Uh, In 1996, voters in California approved Proposition 209, a ballot initiative that amended the California Constitution to prohibit the state from discriminating against or granting preferential treatment to any individual group on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin in the operation of public employment, public education, or public contracting. Mm-hmm. So California is now trying to get rid of this so they can again start discriminating in public education, public contracting, and public employment on the basis of race right. and sex. Yes, and, so and by the way... Cal- in California, the biggest opponents of this, the most vocal opponents of this, is uh, is actually the Asian community because it's being targeted specifically at uh, Asians who are quote overrepresented in in California universities and things like that. So um, there's a the outcry is largely from the Asian community. Uh, yeah. Over this. Yeah, yeah, it's so California is a little bit. It's a different kind of beast because it's. It's already you. You can look at California as an example of what, ha- like, where this could go in in your state, <laughs> like how far it's gone there. Yeah. And they're actively saying we want to codify it into law that it's okay to discriminate, to be racist, and to be sexist. And uh, so that's a little bit different. But if you're living in a state where it's illegal for the public education system to discriminate on the basis of race or sex, I would still encourage you to pursue your legal options. If you find that they're teaching racist stuff in your kid's classroom, which this parent we knew found, mm-hmm. they were teaching his, I mean, I'm, let's just say, these are very young kids. These are- Oh yeah, yeah, they were elementary, yeah. like elementary school kids, yeah. 
very young. And they were teaching them racist concepts like mm-hmm. white privilege and um, and and white fragility and and they and, and they were also teaching them the whole you know you can pick any gender you want and but the mm-hmm. race stuff in particular it was like that's blatantly racist what you're teaching my children is yes. to judge people on the basis of race and to treat them this way they also had racist they had changed their admissions policy um, and they had um, quote they had quotas and they had they were discrimin actively discriminating against Asian children and uh, you know so. Yeah. And the frustrating thing, by the way, was it, it was a it was a school. It was a Chinese immersion school. So you imagine that there's going to be a disproportionate number of people from the Chinese community who want to send their kids there. But that didn't matter to the school. They wanted representation that matched the demographics of the community at large, regardless of whether there was a lot of uh, desire for Latino kids <laughs> to go learn Mandarin. But there was yeah. lots of Chinese kids who wanted to learn Mandarin, right? Um, so, yeah, it was. It wasn't even. Was it, it was like a school that you would expect to be skewed towards Asians, and still, nope. right, right. They had to have, from what I recall, a basic proficiency in Mandarin to go at, at to be admitted. They did away with that so that they could attract, and they they openly put this. The school board put this, and they wanted to attract more uh, black and Latino students. And, and to do that, they had to actively discriminate in the admissions process mm-hmm. against Asian students and right. white students. But so if you're in a state, I would say, look into your legal options. I mean, I'm the type who, if I, I, I still believe in, if, if it, I feel like discrimination is wrong <laughs> morally. And I also think if it's still illegal in your state to do that, why not pursue it? Make them fight it out if you have the means and you can do that. So Carter's got the more, I think, practical advice about helping to um, inoculate well, your child. And we can I also admit that I'm like, more pessimistic than you about about this, right? So, I mean, I, I don't mind admitting that, like, you're more hopeful than I am regarding, like, the, the legal structure of, of many states, right? I don't, I don't think that the law matters um, because ultimately people make the decisions and most of the people are woke. Now, if you ha- if you know you're in a state where they hate this, fine. But you're probably not dealing with this problem. If you're in a if you're in a county where they'll support your lawsuit, <laughs> then then you probably aren't having this problem in the education system. Um, you're having this problem if if your local government and institutions have been converged upon by social justice warriors. And if that's the case, I mean, judges aren't impartial anymore. Yeah. Uh, if they were impartial, we would be following the Constitution. So take that for what it's worth. <sighs> God, now I'm depressed. Okay, I'm going to – wait, wait, Carrie, your your sound is turned off. Oh, so, okay. Oh, there you go. Let's do a couple super chats. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to do the next one from Robert Harvey? You undepressed. Okay. Uh, let's see. Robert – oh, gosh, there's been a few. Thank you, guys. I have to scroll up here. I don't think I can see the other one. It's too far okay. up. Okay, so Robert Harvey, thank you, Robert. Robert says, my 16-year-old niece calls SJWs and BLM creepy hive mind. Yes, that's an excellent, uh, see, that's tell your 16-year-old that's excellent. <laughs> 16-year-olds say, I have I have hope for Generation Z. I have a little people- bit of hope for Generation Z also because like people who grew up in the former Soviet states uh, and how those people tend to be very anti-communist, 
I think a lot of the young kids growing up in this uh, are looking at it going, this is ridiculous uh, and crazy. Kids so. like to rebel and kids will rebel against um, things that are forced on them. Think of, think of the kids who rebelled against, you know, the fundamentalist right in the nineties and, and now it's the fundamentalist left who's controlling all of culture and telling them what they can and can't read and what they can and can't think. And it's conformity. So bravo to your 16 year old, because I think she's just being a teenager, which is like, you're not going to tell me what I have to think. One of the beautiful <laughs> things about teenagers is that they rebel and, uh, yeah. and that's good because you want, so this is the thing you want teenagers to question authority. Now, Hopefully, if you've armed them with uh, critical thinking and and reason, and they know how to question authority, where so it's not just emotionally questioning authority because they have, um, you know, trauma that they're wanting to live out and they're stomping their feet like toddlers. But if they're questioning authority in like a rational way, that's actually great. That's one of the ways society progresses. You want them questioning authority, and the great thing is, SJWs are the authority now. So questioning authority is <laughs> is great. Um, all right, 2A okay. self-defense law. 2A self-defense law. Thank you. Yep. The super chat it says, school indoctrination. My children are oppressed. They have 50% of my DNA. We as a family watched Uncle Tom documentary last night. Oh, I haven't seen that documentary. I've heard about it. I, I do want to see it. Um, but, yeah, he, he, this is when this thing gets funny. The 50% of your DNA, you know, social justice ideology breaks down in a number of ways. It, it doesn't, it's, it's a nonsensical belief system. But one of the ways in which it breaks down is when you start talking about people who are biracial, like, like what, what amount of, how do you calculate the privilege versus the oppression yeah. there? You know? Yeah. You know, I was, I was listening to James Lindsay talk about this the other day and, um, he, he said, actually, I don't even know if it was him that said it. I think it was uh, Thaddeus Russell who, um, who said this. But uh, he, they were basically talking about that. At first, they were talking about this being like a genetic theory, right? Where, like, if you are white, then you are an oppressor, right? And, and or whatever. Um, and they came up with this idea that was, well, it's actually more of, because it's more of a religion, it's actually more spiritual. They don't really care about your DNA. They care about your, like spiritually your lineage <laughs> so um it, which i sounds vague and i think it is vague but that's why it, it like it doesn't really matter what you look like so much as what they believe your spiritual lineage to be right so you can be um you can be a uh, an obviously dark-skinned person but be a white supremacist because you don't believe the right things um or you can be uh what's his name sean uh Crap, what's his, the... Talcum X, Sean huh? King. Talcum X, Sean King, thank you. Uh, you can be Sean King and, you know, it's fine. You're as black as they come. So, all right. Uh, well, they've even said this. You will see them now on Twitter putting forth this argument that, um, and they are saying this in all serious now, seriousness now. So they, they, they call black conservatives, for example, any manner of racist names that I won't repeat including, here. But including they, Uncle Tom's, by the way. Yeah, Uncle Tom's, but they use a lot of racist slurs towards black conservatives. But now the academics, so it all, this whole ideology filters down from the academics who come up with this pseudo intellectual BS. Like, what did Matt, what did, uh, was it Matt Walsh that did their review of, uh, 
uh, white fragility and called it pseudo intellectual horseshit, <laughs> but yeah. it's horseshit. So, but they come up with this, this pseudo intellectual sounding jargon to try and explain things. And now that's filtering down. And so now what they're saying to try and invalidate and attack black people who don't speak this belief system is they're saying that they might be, um, but with their DNA, they might be black, but they're not black in the way that matters. They're not. <laughs> Your yeah, black life doesn't matter. They're actually saying this. They're <laughs> actually saying this. And they've come up with, um, I wish I had one of the tweets in front of me because I've seen a few of them now where they're trying to explain that um, because race is also a, a social construct, that they're not like socially black. So they're not really black. Mm. It's just another way of saying you're not really black and your opinion doesn't matter. And, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing that they get away with this, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, Thank I mean, they don't, they're not lip- held to any standards. They don't have a, they don't have a theory of knowledge that requires it to correspond to reality. So, uh, they can just no. say whatever they want. No. Uh, Ken Lipson, is that the next one? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Thank you, Ken. Ken says, when the vaccine becomes available, will you take it for, for social justice virus? <laughs> I might take that one. <laughs> I have been vaccinated against social justice, and it's wonderful. Uh, <laughs> uh, I assume you mean coronavirus. I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it a lot. My gut says I don't want to take it, no, because I think this is going to run its course. And I don't, I mean, I'm one of those people who doesn't usually get the flu vaccine either. It's not because I'm an anti-vaxxer. I've had plenty of vaccines in my life. I just don't, I don't know. Am I irresponsible for not getting it? Do you think? I won't get I it. Know. So we're, we'll be irresponsible together. Uh, okay. I don't get vaccines generally. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I don't, uh, I mean, I don't think I get sick that often. I don't know. I mean, uh, I guess for like super, I mean, I have, you know, when I was a kid, I got vaccines. But, uh, you know, if you, you're always getting that, like once you start down that path, it's like this year's flu is different than last year's flu, another freaking vaccine, blah, 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 blah. I get that they, I get that they can work. Um, but I, I think, uh, I got the, by the way, I got the typhoid vaccine before I went to, to, right. Before I went to Tanzania and I still got typhoid. (laughs) I was in the hospital (laughs) in Tanzania. It was awful. I had typhoid and Giardia at the same time. Um, wow. And I vaccinated beforehand. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm not one of these people who think that vaccines are a huge conspiracy theory. Um, but I do think that we don't question them enough. And what I don't like about the vaccine culture is that um, anyone who dares to question it is called a, a hater of science or something. You know, they're, they're a backwards theorist. Neanderthal and how dare they, they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're just an idiot. And, you know, if you look at if you look at the history of how a lot of modern medicine, including vaccines, were presented to us, you know, for example, they told us for a while, like, oh, we know that because uh, they, they use they tie it. They um, I think they connect the, the virus to aluminum, I think, is, is the metal to like, I guess, get it. I'm not sure why, but there's some medical reason why they connected to aluminum. And, you know, they told us for a while, oh, aluminum doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier. Don't worry about it. It's, there's no, because we know that aluminum causes, uh, is one of the possible causes of Alzheimer's. We know that aluminum in the brain is bad. Oh, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. 
Well, it turns out that all of their we know was based on a model of the blood-brain barrier, not actually any tests. They didn't actually test it. And guess what happened when they tested it? Oh, oops, aluminum does cross the blood-brain barrier. Sorry about that. We were wrong for a few decades, right? So, I, you know, I don't trust the competence of the people doing this all the time. And I don't, it doesn't mean I'm an anti-vaxxer. I just, I don't like that there's not dialogue. And whenever I see that there's not dialogue going on Dial that's yeah. open, I'm, I step back a little bit and go, all right, I, I'm not going to do this unless I absolutely think I have to do it. And I don't think well, I absolutely have to do it. It's religious in nature. Yeah, exactly. Like that's said, why they, I don't like they it. Call, they call everyone conspiracy theorists or they try and make them out to be idiots or, um, like you said, backwoods, like morons or whatever. And that's a religious thing that they're doing, not allowing people to ask questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so, and Nunya Biz says, um, I don't trust any industry that has a structural no-fault mandate. That's the other problem, right? You can't sue them. So if they screw up, you can't sue them. Oh, Which I didn't is like, okay, so you lobbied to get that? Then, then why? Then your feet aren't held to the fire at all for actually making sure nothing's wrong with your vaccine. So they, they've put themselves in a position through government coercion whereby they're not liable for anything. And so uh, I don't know how one trusts that, right? If you were going to serve me, if you served me eggs for breakfast and you're like, here's the eggs, but by the way, they could be poison and I'm not liable if they're not, eat up. <laughs> I'll be like, you know what? I'm not that hungry. I'll wait till lunch. It's okay. <laughs> I, I don't need your eggs. I'll, I'll do something else. So... All right. Uh, do you want to do the next super chat from Libertas Twenty Six, Carrie? Yes. Let's see. Uh, you guys are awesome. I have to scroll way up to find it. Libertas Twenty Six. Thank you. Says Stephen Pinker. Oh, who we talked about last time. Stephen Pinker on cancel culture. Quote: In this mindset, analysis, debate, and evidence are just tools of propaganda exercised by those in power. Yes. Right. They they actively try and, um, you know, I saw somebody say this the other day, and it's true. The ultimate goal of cancel culture is to cancel reason, analysis, debate, discussion. Like right. cancel culture right now, they're, they they just target anyone who doesn't speak the religion, the SJW religion, and they go after them and try to intimidate them um, and harass them and cause them to lose their job and cause them to lose social standing and but what they're really trying to do is scare people who are watching from stepping outside of the faith. But their ultimate goal, I do believe, is yes, they're trying to cancel the tools that we use to all come to um, conclusions, to come to consensus and compromise. They want to get rid of debate, discussion. They reason. need to cancel those tools because those yeah. tools can be used to disprove their theories. So yes. Like, you have a vested interest in canceling reason if it's the only thing that will show everyone how re utterly ridiculous your theories are. Um, and they so, used to yeah. be a bit more, um, so I was in it for two decades, and they used to be a bit more, uh, they, were, they were better at hiding some oh, of Oh, they were stuff, more subtle when you were starting They were out. much more Absolutely. subtle, yeah. yeah. That's why I was able, I think that's why I was in it for so long, is that it's not like you see today. Today they're very out. They've started to become very out in the open. Um, first, about admitting their Marxist roots. Um, they used to try and argue they weren't Marxists. Um, they're pretty openly. Some of them now admit that they're like the BLM founder admitted it's a Marxist organization. Mm -hmm. They also openly now attack individualism. They used to hide that. They openly attack individualism. They openly attack free speech. They used to deny that. 
They try and do mental gymnastics to explain why they weren't really against free speech while they were trying to censor you. Now they're like, yeah, we're against free speech. Like they're pretty right. <laughs> open about right. it. Right. So and I it's... almost appreciate the openness better. Yeah. I appreciate it more because it, you know, the honesty because it it hopefully will not have the same hold on on some of the new converts that as it did on me. Maybe they won't be in it as long, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I hope that's true. Although I think they have been pretty good at. It's almost like an evolutionary process, right? Um, in the past, they couldn't get away with saying that. If they did, it wasn't working. So, like, I, they 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 move forward only as much as they think the current student culture will accept. And so, if you went to school in, I don't want to date you, but <clears throat> let's say the nineties. <laughs> You went you went off to college in yeah. the 90s, uh, and they said, Carrie, welcome to – I don't know if I should say where you went. Welcome to college. Uh, I've said it. I went to uh, Duke. Okay. Welcome to Duke. Um, reason, is, is, uh, reason is invalid. It's a tool of white oppression, and uh, we are here to destroy reason, and individualism is horrible, and the Enlightenment was, uh, uh, <laughs> was a horrible blight on humanity, and we are going to get rid of it. I think and you might have been like – I'll major in engineering. Yeah. Like, I'm going to stay away from the humanities, you guys. That's, that's good, right? Um, you wouldn't have jumped in, but they knew they couldn't get away with that. But actually now, a lot of the, the – it's like you have to take algebra before you can take pre-calc, and then you can take calculus, right? Now they've got the, the algebra and the pre-calc of social justice have been taught in high school. So by the time you get to college, you can jump right into calculus and, <laughs> like – They've they've moved they've moved on to the they've point where it. I think they feel like society's ready. I hope they're wrong. I hope that society looks at this, uh, and and sees it for the evil that it is. But uh, anyway, I think that's what they're doing. <clears throat> okay, uh, let's do another. Let's, let's do another super chat. Will Charlton, great answers. Thank you both. Oh, thank you for the super chat. Just to say thank you. That's nice. Uh, Battle Gnome 23, climate change was the master test case for toleration of pervasive SJW cultural deconstruction. I don't know enough about the climate change. Well, first, I don't know enough about climate change. And secondly, I don't know enough about the SJW invasion into the climate change debate. But I do know they invaded it like they, they like they do every they, – they try to turn every activist – uh, cause in they they go in and cannibalize it and they make it a social justice thing, and I know that happened to climate change, but I don't know enough about to say to say if you're right maybe the master test case for toleration of pervasive SJW cultural deconstruction I don't know maybe. yeah I, I I don't either but I know there have been plenty of test cases I mean you saw you saw GamerGate a while ago you yeah. saw you saw the new atheists fall apart. Um, you know, we've we've pointed out before that social justice is particularly anti-Christian, <clears throat> um, specifically anti-Christian. It goes after Christianity yeah. pretty clearly. And I'm saying this as an atheist, right? They go after Christianity. I was thinking about this, though. I'm not sure they'll always go after Christianity. I think they'll stop going after Christianity if they get to the point where they've converged upon the church, at which point yes. they will start saying Christianity is fine again, uh, but it's their yes. version of Christianity. Carter, yes, this is what's happening. They've yeah. converged upon it if they can change it and use it. So they're all about power. Right. They, Like you said, they, the reason they have to attack reason, debate, 
logic um, is because those things expose what a bullshit belief system this is and how it doesn't make sense. Right. And so, but how do they spread their belief system? They spread it through power. Power, coincidentally, is also the thing they worship. Their whole well, all critical theories all about organized. viewing everything through power, through right? Through power. The whole belief system is organized around power. So it's organized around, I've said this before, but for any new people, they view it as uh, the world is like, like the Marxists of old said, you know, the best way to look at the world is as a competition between uh, different class groups over wealth, right? Well, this says, no, no, the best way to look at the world is as a competition between different identity groups over power. Power is the thing that the whole belief system is built around. That's what they want. When social justice warriors die, they say, rest in power. That's what they say. They don't say rest in peace. They say rest in power. That's what right. they elevate. That's what they're after. And so if they get power within the church, you're absolutely right. Then suddenly Christianity's fine because now Christianity has been perverted and corrupted right. and becomes a social justice, a, a branch of an, an arm of the social justice faith. Right. This so they're only attacking path. it because they view it yeah. as a pillar of Western civilization, which they need to tear down. And it is a pillar. Right. But if they've but if torn they it down, they'll be it, happy with it again. Yes, they, and they're they're attacking it on two fronts. They're overtly attacking it while they're while they're infiltrating and perverting it. This is why the perversion of the Christian Church right now is so uh, uh, upsetting to me, or it's something I focus on a lot. Is is because it, it it they are changing the church from the inside, and it's like a virus when it gets in. So my old church down in Austin, I, I actually met some new fan of the show was messaging with me who's in Austin and didn't realize we went to the same church. And although I haven't been there since the beginning of the year, because I found this uh, because of the pandemic and a couple of different things, but I found this new church near me. That's awesome. And the preacher is awake. He's not woke. He's awake. He know he's like tuned in. He knows what's going on. Um, and, and his very cerebral sermons. I love, I love his sermons, but anyway, my old church, which I still have a great affinity for, and I'm still in some of the women's groups online. It's infiltrated my women's group and it's infiltrated like some of the women, they're starting to speak it and recommend all the cult indoctrination book lists and stuff in, in the group. And so I was talking with this guy about it and, you know, he's still at the church and I was, I was, I'm like, you know, just like when somebody was asking, how do you fight this in the schools? Good for you guys who are sticking around to fight it. Good for you. Do it. Do it. Like, I fully support that. Um, but, and I now I'm going to be the pessimist, like Carter. I think once it gets in, oh my goodness, it is hard to root it out. Once it gets rooted yeah. in there, it's hard to root it out. So, well, this it's the good cop, bad cop thing. It's right. It's like Christianity is evil is the bad cop, right? Hey, Christians, you're evil, you're evil, you're evil. Christianity is a problem. It's It's oppressive. And then the good cop comes along and it's like, well, if you really want to be Christian, here's how you can do it and still not get yelled at, right? Right? <laughs> right. That's yeah. the that's the good cop, bad cop approach. And the yeah. thing that I think, and this this applies to whether you're a Christian or whether you're just an individualist trying to save Western civilization, don't get married to the idea of saving one particular institution. Um, get married to saving the idea behind that institution. So like... I honestly, I honestly think, and I'm not here, who am I to give Christians advice, but like if your church is converged upon, uh, you could stand and fight, but it actually might be more, a better way to fight might be through free market competition and be like, fine, we're going to go next door, start our own church, 
and we're not going to be woke. And yes. we have control over this. And like, and we're just going to start picking people off who recognize we're going to show them how crazy you are. And they're going to start coming to us. We're going to we're going to destroy your institution. We're going to start our own happen. institution. Because people are going to stop going, like me. People are going to stop going um, because you're not, you're no longer offering them the, the thing. The reason that they came there is not being offered to them anymore. It's the same thing with a company when a company gets converged upon, and then so preaching social justice becomes their primary goal, and they subvert whatever their original purpose was. Well, it's like, look, T-Mobile, I don't want to hear about uh, your socio-political beliefs. I just want you to give me phone service. Like, I think I might find somebody else to do my like. You know, when when you get tired of. It's like you're no longer giving me what I came here for, and that's the same thing with the church. People will get disillusioned with it when it when it disillusioned with it when it becomes social justice, and then the only people going there will be social justice people, right? And everyone else will start looking for an alternative. And look, you can fill that niche because people are looking for, like, I when I became a Christian, it's like, the, <laughs> I'm getting a little tongue tied because there's a lot of thoughts in my head. Okay, I was looking for God. I wasn't looking for my social justice religion. I had just escaped that. <laughs> like, why do why would I want that in my church? And it was funny because when I was like going trying out different churches and stuff, I would sometimes have people like I've talked about in previous episodes who just look at me and assume that I'm a leftist or that I believe certain things because I'm a woman or whatever. Or the way I, I don't know the way I dress or you're a white woman who looks like you have fun. So you. I don't know. The fun part, I would think, think, would rule you out, but uh, they think they have fun, oh. but they don't. Yeah, but they think, but they they have a misconception. They think if you the smile fun more, side. they'll they'll know you're not a leftist. Right. I know. I smile too much for them. <laughs> but uh, they they people would tell me, oh, you should try out my church, and I'm like, oh, I'd love to. Like, what? oh, you'd love it. It's so. And then they would start saying certain things that immediately told me, oh, it's a social justice church. Like it just let me know I was, uh, certain right. phrases and code words that meant it's a social justice church. And I, I'm, uh, you know, with all due respect, like that's not what I'm looking for, but thank you. Right. Like, right. No. Well, <laughs> Carrie, case in point, actually, this is related to the cover of this show and something that I wanted to talk about, which we've said before, which is, um, well, I don't know if you believe this. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I certainly think this is true. Any person or organization that is not explicitly social justice will be converged upon. They will lose the battle if they don't explicitly fight the battle against this ideology. Um, and that happens to churches too. So the pastor that you're just talking about who fights it, well, he, that's the protection against this. The ones who don't know what to say and are mealy-mouthed and kind of look around society and try and hedge their bets, they will fall. They will fall to the social justice warriors. Um, and unrelated to church... But related to this general principle is the Libertarian Party. And I, so Joe Jorgensen, I, so I didn't even know who she was. So I'm not like a libertarian. I've, when I called myself a libertarian in the past, it was the small L libertarian. I've always hated the Libertarian Party, mostly because uh, I've never, I've, I don't see a lot of great candidates ever from the Libertarian Party. I don't see a lot of action, right? Um, you know, uh, Ron Paul was a Republican, right? And he was more libertarian than libertarians. So um, anyway, this is what the libertarian, current libertarian president, or sorry, um, nominee, their, their candidate for the president, tweeted out the other day. She says, 
It is not enough to be passively not racist. We must be actively anti-racist. Actively anti-racist. Ding, ding, ding. By the way, we need to update for new viewers. We have a social justice warrior bingo card. And we need to update it because they've started updating some of their new cult phrases. So this is one you're going to start seeing everywhere. It is not enough to be passively non-racist. You must be actively anti-racist. And if you dig into what that means, anti-racist, they tell you. Anti-racist is their way of saying racist. Right. That, <laughs> that's right. the way they say racist. It right. means anti-racist to them means we must treat people differently on the basis of race. Right. And and this How is why is that? Uh, this okay. is why the Libertarian Party sucks because they don't have philosophy behind them. Even though they're by the way, if you go to their about page, <laughs> their slogan is uh the party of principle, which is a mockery of the idea of principles. I hate the Libertarian Party so much. Okay. <laughs> so so she says this, hashtag Black Lives Matter. She's got, I guess, some fists, which, by the way, those fists are like a, that's a socialist thing. That's a Workers of the World Unite thing. Um, hashtag vote gold. I don't know. Is his libertarians gold? Maybe that's what that is. I don't know. Um, Michael Malice, by the way, asks her an obvious question. As the libertarian candidate for president, do you support the repeal of anti-discrimination laws? Now, this is something that libertarians should support, right? No. Here's the Q&A section from her website. Should gender identity be added to anti-discrimination laws? Yes. She's not what you think of when you think of libertarian. This is not what a libertarian is. And this is why, I think this is why, um, this is why, so I don't know if people realize this. Ayn Rand hated libertarians. She hated libertarians. She despised libertarians. Um, and and actually, in after her death, there was a, there was a split between um, the objectives. Objectivism was her philosophy. There was like an objectivist community and there was a split in that community. And that split was caused by someone daring to speak at a libertarian event. <laughs> and like that, that was a big, now the objectivists tend to be, uh, you know, couch fainting, you know, nitwits. So they, they argued each other to death and split up and blah, blah, blah. But um, there was, there was a split because of this. And I, this is what I don't like, and this, this is what Rand didn't like about the Libertarian Party. Liberty is not, so the Libertarian Party, a lot of elements of the Libertarian Party view it as an axiom. They view it as uh, the, the non-aggression principle. They view the non-aggression principle as just axiomatic. Like it, it, it's just a, it, there's no philosophical roots to it, Right. And Rand rejected that because she said, no, without philosophical roots, you will, you won't succeed. You can't just succeed on politics. You need to have philosophic roots. In fact, you know, we quote Andrew Breitbart saying that um, politics is politics. downstream of culture. As far as I know, I'm the first one to say in the same terms that culture is downstream of philosophy, but I didn't make up that concept. I think that concept was well understood. I probably got it from reading Rand without realizing it. Um, she understood that philosophy was going to drive this. And if they were going to divorce themselves from philosophy, uh, this wasn't going to work. And what you have now is a libertarian party that um, 
sometimes it's hedonist. There's not really anything standards. They, their platform is, would specifically prohibit her her position on this kind of stuff. But they don't have any, even though they call themselves the party of principles, they don't have any actual principles. They don't know where principles come from. They don't care. They don't care to be philosophical about it. All they care is, hey, there's this non-aggression principle and that's the end. And one difference, just to just to underscore a difference between a philosophic approach to the non-aggression principle and a non-philosophic approach to the non-aggression principle. The in a philosophic approach, the non-aggression principle falls out of the rights of man. They fall out of the rights that humans have. And so if another being, if a if another human does not recognize your rights, right, if they fail to recognize your rights, you are not obligated to recognize their rights. Right? Rights Rights require recognition by both parties. And so um, the non-aggression principle applies precisely because you're dealing with another being who recognizes the non-aggression principle and what it means and what it comes from. And, and therefore, Rand would argue and did that, for example, when dealing with what she called savages, uh, like Native Americans— she argued that the Europeans had every right to take their land because they did not have a concept of private property and they did and they did not have a concept of uh, individual rights. And so her argument was they have no concept of rights. They don't respect rights in themselves or others. They don't have a concept of private property. They live by force. Therefore, you may conquer them by force. That was her argument. Um, is, this the, is this the idea of uh, reciprocity? Am I getting that wrong? Um. Is it reciprocity? No, because reciprocity to me sounds a little bit more reactionary. I guess it's the same reason that like, um, I, I guess in some sense you could you could think of it as like a, a meta reciprocity. It's the idea that uh, well, if you're like dealing if you're... with someone who can't or won't respect your rights, you have no obligation to respect them and back to you, which is why I don't feel guilty, for example, um, killing animals to eat them because animals don't, don't, they can't and don't respect my rights. They can't. They don't have the capacity to respect and understand my rights. There's gray areas when it comes to like, what about kids and old people and blah, blah, blah. And, and for those, you have to make arguments about potential and that kind of thing. But, um, but kind of fundamentally that, that was the, that was the stance. And the stance was like, look, you can't, you can't have this, like freedom is this abstract concept. And a lot of libertarians don't look to see what, why freedom matter. What, what is freedom? Freedom from what? For whom? From what purpose? Why does it come? Why is that a principle? Why does it matter? And to, and to answer those questions, Rand believed you needed philosophy and she needed, she believed you needed an integrated system. And a lot of libertarians actually agree with her. So I would say today, today the libertarian party is, is, is a subset of of many objectivist slash Ayn Rand type people who they consider themselves libertarians because they, their their political conclusions are the same often, but uh, the reverse is not true. There's lots of libertarians who who don't have any philosophical grounding, and I think this Joe Jorgensen person is clearly one of them. She doesn't understand any of the principles that she claims to be. Um, fighting for. And so she can have these massively contradictory stances. She can't, she doesn't know how to fight social justice because she doesn't understand what it is philosophically. She doesn't see it as the philosophic evil that is. She just sees it as this cultural thing. And like, I'm going to 
hashtag Black Lives Matter because racism does kind of exist somewhere and she's going to embrace this anti-racism. She's not, she is not intellectually armed enough to oppose it like the pastor that you like is. The pastor you like sees what it is and is defending his church from it. She's incapable of defending the Libertarian Party from it. And I don't think that the Libertarian Party actually has, has a history of demonstrating that they are at all capable of putting people in power that understand the principles behind what they claim to support. So that's why I'm never a Libertarian uh, with a big L ever. And uh, I don't think you should vote for this woman. Trump is more likely to prevent social justice from taking over then, the country well, than Joe Jorgensen. So and ever I don't like Trump, but... My, ever since I had my awake, my awakening or started waking up from my cult beliefs and, and leaving that ideology, people really want me to label myself and define myself, as you know. And um, I just... A lot of people have told me, oh, it sounds like you're a libertarian now. And I just haven't had a lot of time to read about libertarianism, so I don't really, I don't call myself that. I, I still, I'm a classical liberal. I know that, and, and most of my beliefs, I'm still liberal. But um, this doesn't make me want motivated to want to learn more about the Libertarian Party. Oh, there's no reason to learn anything about the Libertarian Party. Ignore the Libertarian Party. <laughs> uh, great libertarian writers, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Read, read uh, Murray Rothbard, you know, I mean, especially the ec economists, the, the, the best economist ever was von Mises. His, his writings are, uh, the guy, I don't, he's like underrated genius. The guy was a phenomenal genius and his writings are extensive and deep and per almost perfect. I mean, they're, they're just, they're phenomenal. Um, so there's, there's definitely some great libertarian thinkers, um, but or thinkers that are in the libertarian camp, I'll say, or would be would be called libertarians, but they don't come uh, from the party. The party is just a the party's a joke. Um, somebody in the chat says this is not a super chat, but I don't know if I've seen this guy before. Hi, John. John says, Carrie, run from this man. He's too crazy. <laughs> run from me. Yeah, yeah that's not an argument, John. So come up with something better. But I don't know what he finds crazy about what you're saying. But yeah, anyway. Um, um, we should do, we should, we're going to get way behind on super chats. This, yeah, I think there's only a couple. Let's do them real fast. All right. You want to do Blackbeard? Yeah, thank you guys. Um, no, I haven't scrolled that. Okay. Point. I'll Go do ahead. Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Thank you for the super chat. Blackbeard says, I think the fundamentalist left is way more dangerous than the fundamentalist right of the eighties to the early two thousands. Yes. Uh, Can I, I speak to you. this? Yeah. Please. Okay. So here's a great, here's a great example of the difference. And I do, I think there's a lot, there's a great analogy there between the fundamentalist right and the fundamentalist left. They both were very concerned with trying to force their uh, their beliefs of what's moral and what's immoral on society at large. And they used, they tried to use corporations in some cases to do that. The difference is the left has been much, the fundamentalist left has been much more successful at doing that than the right ever was. Can you imagine if the fundamentalist right had gotten every major corporation to start speaking their beliefs the way that every major corporation is now speaking the beliefs of the fundamentalist left, look at how much power the religious left has. And when I say religious left, I mean the social justice religious left, like the, this is like kind of like a religion. Look at this fundamentalist woke culture and how much power it has at the moment in society. The, the fundamentalist right would only dream of having this much influence. Yeah. I mean, you know? if you look at if you look at the political origins of the woke left as 
I think correctly coming out of the Frankfurt School, then, uh, which is like, a, I guess, neo-Marxism, um, then you can, I view the, the radical right in the 80s as a reaction to the slide of the country um, towards the radical left. And the it had it had gone far enough that there was a reactionary movement against it, which was the radical right, um, which was that that religious the religious right. Um, and some of the things they opposed were um, things that I think a classical liberal like like Kerry or someone like me would would say they shouldn't have opposed, like gay marriage, right? Um, but some of the things that they opposed were, uh, I think actually worth opposing right that they were they were opposing the idea of a welfare state <laughs> like okay that's not uh i oppose the i don't know what carrie thinks but i oppose the idea of a welfare state that was their reaction to the neo-marxism um and the the shift of of culture in, in america and so the to me the difference between the radical left today and the religious right in the 80s is that the religious right was reaction to the move of culture, the they radical left is the culmination of yes. the culture. Oh, uh, that's shift. another good distinction. That yeah, the, the the radical right was reactionary in terms of what was happening with culture. That's true. They still were definitely like the like the religious left. Also authoritarians. Yeah. Also authoritarians. Also trying to push their beliefs on everyone and make everyone uh, have to have to. Uh, live with their beliefs being forced down your throat. They were, did the same thing, but you're right. They were reactionary, and I hadn't thought of it in that way before. Whereas this is more propelling. The fundamentalist left is propelling where the culture is going. This is their magnum opus. This is the neo-Marxist magnum opus. It's like they're like, here we are. We've all we've been going towards <laughs> social justice. They're they like they've gone full Monty, right? This is this is what they've yeah. been hiding the whole time. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> and all, all right. these things when, when I was in the radical left, all these things that I used to hear that con conservatives would say, or a lot of the things they would say, that I just instinctively was told in my cult to view as ludicrous and insane. And now I'm starting to see a lot of those things are true. Like I would always hear conservatives saying um, that Christianity was under attack, and I'm like, oh hogwash! That's oh hogwash! So silly. Happy holidays. And now I'm like, oh, wow, yes, <laughs> of course it's under attack. And that has nothing to do with me being, I think you would agree, well, you did agree in this program, and you're not, yeah. you're an atheist. No, I'm an atheist. But yeah, uh, there were certain things like that that I just, I felt like, uh, you know, you're told in the cult, you're told to believe before they've, they're now much honest about, much more honest about things. But for the uh, big chunk of the time I was in it, they weren't honest about it. And so they would deny things like that, like right. that they were going after Christianity. Now they're openly like, yeah, we're going after Christianity. Right. Right. And I think <laughs> okay. it's because they, I think it's because they feel like they can be there. It's like, um, when, when a, a predator needs to convince you to like, Oh, I'll help you carry the groceries to the car and blah, blah, blah. Like, he can only be honest when he's got you alone in his lair. Like, then it's like, I'm here to kill you. Like, oh, before I thought you were helping me with my groceries. Like, that's like, you can be honest once you have, once you feel like you have the power, you can be honest. Oh. And I think that's what's happening. Oh, that's a, that's a dark analogy, but it's a good one. Uh, all right. Let's, let's do some more super chats. Do you want to do 2A self-defense law? Can you see that one? 
Uh, wow, no, I can't. You do it. Okay, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, thank you uh, to a self-defense law. $10, uh, and he says, woke ID 19 virus cure is a rational mind. Yeah, it yeah. is a rational mind. That's the cure. And actually, a rational mind is the cure for so many things. It's, uh, I prescribe it to everyone. All right. Why bother? Thank you. Why bother gives us five euros and says, Oh, let me read this one. He oh, you says, can read it. I'm a okay. hardcore, I'm a hardcore skeptic. And no, atheist. no, 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 that's the wrong one. Why bother's oh, given us gave... two. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if well, the blackness, we... why bother says, so if the blackness is a social construct, can I have that? Seems to give a bunch of benefits like affirmative action, freedom of speech. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a social construct, but you don't get control over it. It's their social construct. Although, here's what will happen. I think this will necessarily happen. They, they're they really resisting it right now. But you we've seen with people like Rachel Dolezal, who've claimed to be black, white people who've claimed to be black, that they're trans race. Um, their beliefs, again, they they invalidate that because they, they feel no need to be intellectually consistent. In fact, I watched a very popular SJW uh, vlogger on Instagram yesterday, and she did a whole video about how, uh, she was a black SJW, she did a whole video about how white women need to get comfortable with uh, contradictions, and that it's your whiteness that that demands that things make sense, <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, the, that they're not contradictory, and, and I thought that was hilarious, but yeah, they, it's very contradictory, so they have no, they have no problem with contradictions, and but you would think, so logically speaking, that the same way that they they say that gender and that bio, biological sex they say now is a social construct, and therefore you can self-identify however you choose, right? That that would necessarily mean the same thing for race because they say race is a social construct. Well, they are resisting that. They're not doing. They're not being intellectually consistent there, for the most part. Most or anywhere. Are, <laughs> yeah, or anywhere. But on that specific thing, they're definitely being um, hypocrites and they're not being intellectually consistent. They're saying that you cannot self-identify, you cannot be trans race. It's not a thing. But there are a small, no growing number of SJWs I've seen who are pushing the trans race thing. And I think inevitably they are going to succeed. But then then the whole house of cards might fall apart. Do you know I don't know. I mean? I mean, it could definitely lead to, I mean, ultimately this... <sighs> Because this entire thing is based on, I don't want to sound trite when I say this, and I don't want to sound like Ben Shapiro, but this is based on emotions. That's all this is based on, really. Um, they 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 use snippets of, quote, philosophy and, quote, academic thinking, right? They use crack academicians to justify what they feel like doing. And so because it's based just all on feelings, I think this... I mean, it does eventually just degenerate into a big mob. I mean, the mobs that you see uh, in in small communities, that's 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 a microcosm of what's going to happen generally. Just it it disintegrates into a giant mob. That doesn't mean that we're safe from it. Giant mobs can be extremely dangerous. Um, and there and there may be a lot of infighting in multiple mobs. And I mean, look at how look at how they they are they their purity spiral constantly causes fracturing right but those those people that have fractured not all of them come not all of them come to the same side i mean there's going to be fractures within fractures but all of them hate the western culture so uh they're all going to go after western civilization they're just going to be incompetent about it uh, although they might succeed so maybe i can't call them incompetent 
right. Did you see Battle Gnome 23's super chat, Carrie? You are muted, Carrie. Read that one. You do it. Thank you, Battle Gnome 23. Battle Gnome says, as a commercial artist, I think it's curious. Why is it the art directors, artists, designers, and other creatives uh, are the most militantly conformist? Uh, okay, well, let I, me... I think I know, but go ahead. So there are some creatives who are starting to resist this. This is the real resistance happening. I think we should reclaim that word because even when I saw yes. them marching the streets with resistance and I was like, what are you resisting? You are marching on behalf of the status quo, on behalf of the elites, on behalf of, of what is... They might as well be carrying signs that say Amazon, Google. Yeah, uh, Google, <laughs> I'm here, YouTubes. Like you're, you're marching on behalf of of the elite, powerful, the status quo, what's the cultural accepted norm today? You're not resisting anything. What are you talking about? So anyway, the real resistance is starting. And I've seen, there's this group we mentioned before, um, these musicians against woke culture. Mm -hmm. And I think we're gonna start to see more pushback from comedians and actors. And I've met, I've been talking to people who, like actors and com like people who are starting to figure out how to speak back and push back against this. And that's very exciting. But to answer your question about why have they been some of the most dogmatic? Okay, I have a couple of ideas, and I know you do too, Carter. Let me just yeah. say a few of them. So I used to manage comedians. I worked in comedy, and I primarily I was a huge, what I call professional social justice warrior. And most most for the most part, most of my comedians were as well. Um, but I've said it's like a religion, right? When you are in an echo chamber, like in a community, let's say the comedy community. And this slowly became the dominant faith, the dominant religion. You, there, the real, the real, um, the people who are trying to find truth in their work and who have in, internal integrity are going to buck the system. But for the most part, just like anywhere else, you're going to run in, you're going to find cowards. So there's a huge portion of comedians who don't agree with this and who don't say anything. There's a big part of a, a huge portion of comedians who don't agree with this, but speak it anyway, okay? For so they can get things, so they can get bookings, so they can get so they can get maybe retweeted by their famous by their favorite famous comedian who likes you know because they agree with them, who are going to speak it anyway. And then you have the people who become like religiously like very fervent about it and who really believe in it and are pushing it and they're kind of leading. They're leading the um, evangelical woke, I'll put it that way, in the in the comedy community. Um, but it spreads like a like a like a faith, and then people don't want to, like we see in society at large, they don't want to buck that because um, of cowardice. Or and I'm not knocking cowardice. Look, I get it. I was you can knock I cowardice. was cowardly. I know, but I was cowardly. I, I'm not saying it as someone who's never experienced. I was. I was quiet for um, six months at least after I started to realize this was BS and I wanted to say something. I still remained quiet for about six months because you got to work through fear in, in your own. But it, but it was fear. It was cowardice. So cowardice is one. But the other is there are a lot of people. Think about who go into entertainment these days. It's not just people who want to pursue an art, an art form. There are a lot of people who use art forms as a way to gain fame. They're there for fame, power and notoriety and money. And because now what, you know, you can, becoming famous is an entirely different beast. It is the goal for some people. There was one comedian I worked with who, 
he was always like whatever was the latest thing. He was he was in comedy because he had tried acting first and then he was trying he was just trying different things to become famous. He would openly say this, I want to be famous. And right. it's like, well that's a crap goal. Like right. Stalin what was about famous. pursuing yeah, it's all was What about pursuing the art? And so every little thing that would come along, like when Mark Marin was one of the first comedians who had a, a podcast that went really big. He had the WTF podcast. Maybe he's still doing it. I'm not sure. So he, a bunch of comedians saw that and started doing podcasts. And this comic I worked with was like, I want to do a podcast so I can, you know, make a lot of money and then I can fund these other things. I'm like, nobody goes into doing a podcast so they can make a lot of money. <laughs> That's why I started Unsafe Space. I knew it was the ticket to becoming a billionaire as fast as possible. So... Uh, pay up people where's my private jet so even then way before you and i started doing this i was like no you podcast it has to be something that you want to get up and do every day for free and even pour your own money into and you will continue (laughs) to do it for years probably before it ever gains traction but you it has to be no matter what it is it has to be something the art has to be something that you're compelled to do and that you're going to do regardless of whether you're making money off of it and regardless of whether it makes you famous yeah. It's like the art has to be the goal. They, they're putting fame up here. And there's a lot of people in the comedy world, just like actors and just like musicians now, who the music or the art or the comedy is like subservient to being famous and to making lots of money. Right. And so if that's your number one goal, then you're going to go with whatever the cultural dom- the dominant cultural religion or faith is, whatever the current socially acceptable things are to say, you're going to do them because you're in pursuit of this goal. This isn't even the music or the comedy isn't even the number one thing for you. It's a path to get to fame or to money. And I think there's a lot of people like that in arts right now. So that's my answer. I, well, <laughs> I'm going to give an answer about philosophy. But I'm but before I okay. do, I'm going to say I don't disagree with anything you just said. I think those are, <laughs> okay, all, true, those are all true things. Um, so I think that's spot on. The only thing I would add is that... Um, I think I know there's this kind of fun like does does art create culture or culture create reflect art or whatever like I, I think it's pretty clear that um, the art that's prominent is a reflection of cultural people in power who like it's a reflection of what people in the culture want to see like the, the reason we have crappy news is because no one cares. Um, they want to be entertained, and like this is why we have what we have. Bad culture will produce bad art. I'm not saying art can't influence culture at all. Obviously, it can. But if you're looking at largely at like the the overarching um, body of art you've got, that art's going to be reflective of cultural values at the time. I mean, historians look at the art that way to try and figure out like, oh, what was going on in that culture? What did people believe? What was good? What was wrong? What was worshipped? What was um, what was derided? So uh, I, I think part of it, I look at this and I say, well, um, culturally, it has been cool, I'll say, but not the right word, maybe. It has been acceptable to be on the left for decades. The the leftism has been the way to be. You were never, there was not a time since I've been alive where being on the left was any sort of barrier to being in the art world at all, ever. Um, So I think that doesn't mean there aren't people who aren't that way. They're just not famous. 
I don't think like, and you know, I think Jordan Peterson would say there's psychological things, higher openness scores, lower conscientiousness tends to be more artists and they also tend to be less, less about order. And so, you, you know, you do have some push in that direction, but the other thing I'll say, and this, and this is the philosophical, I guess it's a philosophical point. And this is something that really bothers me. And it, the, the, the earliest piece of art that I can think about that says that pushes this idea is the original Star Trek series, <laughs> but it really bothers me. Um, and it's this idea that logic and emotions are um, disconnected from each other and that if you are a rational person, um, you are incapable of having feelings. And then if you have feelings, you must abandon logic. And when you set up that false dichotomy, artists tend to, I mean, great art is very emotional. So artists need to be very much in touch with, I don't think that they're all actually stable in the, in the terms of like in touch with their feelings in that way, but they certainly know how to emote and translate that into something that will resonate with other people who, who want to receive that emotion. And um, because of that, I, I think there's a natural tendency for them to decide, well, I'm going to eschew rationality because um, there's this this false dichotomy has, got, has been set up. I'm either someone who thinks rationally or I write amazing lyrics and I can't do both, right? Um, and I think it's it's a rare artist that is like, no, reason and emotion are not at odds with one another. Yes, decisions yeah. that you make based on them might be at odds, but emotion is part of, the, of life's experience. It's valid input. It's data about the human experience. It's 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 real information about how I feel, and it's one, it's one of the driving factors for why I want to do what I do and use my rational minds to get me to the goal that I have is is the emotion. Like, emotion's an important part of life. I don't think, I, I think that dichotomy, and that the reason I say it was in the original Star Trek that I noticed it first, and it was probably before that, but I wasn't, you know, as young as I, I'm, I'm, old, I'm not that old, right? So uh, it was in the in the figure of Spock. And it was, and Spock was this mockery of basically uh, reason and rationality. Spock was this joke that was like, look, the guy has no emotions. Um, look at how ridiculous he behaves. He can't even do good. He, he's not even moral. He, he, has, he has only this very logical, heartless way of, of looking at the world. He can't have friends. He has no emotions. And we need the... We need the dramatic emotionality of Captain Kirk to really lead because someone like Spock would utterly fail because he doesn't get how to be human. Um, and I think that dichotomy has been extremely devastating, not just to the arts, but it's also been devastating to scientists because they do the opposite. You have a lot of scientists, and I'm talking about hard science, that give up on thinking about humanities at all, which is why they ignore the humanities, which is why the humanities gets away with all the crap that it gets away with because they have this... Um, they have this idea that like, well, I understand how, uh, physics works and like, I, I get the real world, uh, and I understand that makes logical sense, but humans, all this, this politics and humanity, they, that's, a, that's operating on some other set of rules about emotions and other stuff that I don't get. I'm well, just going to ignore that. Why, but that's also why I think some people in the hard sciences are, Susceptible to social justice ideology because I'm thinking of I went to a science right. And high that school, is why you're right, and yeah, with a bunch of really intelligent people and who humbled me very quickly. And <clears throat> after that school, we all went off to you know college, and a lot of my friends ended up staying 
from that science and math school stayed in the math and sciences. And so I have friends who are engineers, you know, work at, have worked at Google places. And I think of the ones who've become um, pulled into this belief system. Now you would think that being more in the rational minded space would maybe protect them from this because this is an emotional belief system. But I actually think sometimes it's the opposite because it's, um, it, it's, it's a easy way to try and connect, um, emotionally and to show that you care and to show, you know, to the, the term virtue signaling like that, you know? So it's, it's like, Oh, if I care about people, I will speak this belief system, you know, boom, done. I'm speaking it. Right. And, And that's, maybe you can phrase that better than I am, but I actually think it opens up some people who are more analytical minded and more, um, in that rational brain space, I think it, it, they're actually pretty success susceptible to it. Yes. No, they, they totally are. And actually in, so you'll find this when you read Atlas Shrugged, there's people, people in the objectivist community have a name for this and have had a name for this for decades. Um, it's oh. Dr. Stadler syndrome. Um, and Dr. Oh. Stadler is a character in the book who is extremely, he's brilliant. He's a brilliant scientist, but he, he went this route of like, well, I guess, I guess he assumed that the people in the humanities, the Kimberly Crenshaws, were just brilliant in the humanities in the same way that he's brilliant in uh. physics because he doesn't understand what they're saying because what they're saying makes no sense. So the rules must be different. So I need to leave the realm of the humanities to those smart people just because I need them to leave the realm of physics to me clearly. So I need to leave the realm of morality and the humanities to these people. And I just assume that they're honest and reality focused and smart like me when actually there are a bunch of sniveling, ignorant weasels who are just power hungry. And so he will, they'll just start start accepting the tenets that come from the other side because they don't know how to think about the other side. They've given up their rational mind and, and assumed that it's impotent to solve human problems and, and impotent to think about politics and human interaction and so they've just they've abdicated that responsibility and they've assigned it to people that they just assume are their equals but on the other side of the aisle yeah they're giving them a a huge uh leeway like a big benefit of the doubt that they have good intentions and and are very smart and are based in reality yeah all that stuff um and it's just not true um that's the that's the sad part about it. <laughs> okay. <sighs> that was a good one. Next one is Ken uh, Lipson. Ken says, thank you, Ken. Ken says, please put this $5 in the pool for an HD camera for Carrie. Done. There's now $5 in the HD pool. There's probably more than five bucks in that pool now. This is the new camera too. We just don't, it's a MacBook camera. We have to get something for my I low know. lighting. I know. We need to We need to figure out. We'll look up a low light. We'll get a low light camera because um, it's an eight, your camera is an HD camera. Um, it just doesn't look like it. I don't, I don't mind it. Let's move on. I think the next one is why bother? This is the one you were going to read before. Do you want to read this one now, Carrie? I've lost it. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry. Uh, thank you. Why bother? Why bother says I'm a hardcore skeptic and atheist. I was spending my calories debating Christians. Now I'm considering advocating for Christianity. Better option. Uh, yeah. Hey, let me tell you, I used to do the same and I know a lot of people in our community used to do the same spend their time battling Christians. It's funny when you find out that, uh, hey, these people that I thought were my enemy are actually uh, maybe on my side in some ways. We don't have to agree on everything, but if we have shared common values like Carter and I, 
Carter's an atheist. I'm a pretty new Christian. But we agree on some very important foundational beliefs that shape the way you look at the world. The same way the social justice warriors, their foundational beliefs are all messed up, but their foundational beliefs are about identity and power and, um, you know, trying to trying to uh, redistribute power among based on race and sex and all this stuff. Hogwash. Our foundational beliefs, we don't have to agree on whether there's a God or not, but Carter and I agree on the most important things. Like somebody, somebody told me, one of my friends, when I, when I left the social justice belief system, and she's very well-intentioned, one of my best friends, she was saying, you know, if you leave the tribe, humans are tribal. And I was like, yes, I agree. She said, if you leave the tribe, you can't come back. And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be a nomad then. That's okay. I don't want to come back. Um, I still want to be friends with you. I just don't want to come back to the tribe. And then she said, I think you, you're not a nomad. You've already joined another tribe. And I thought about that for a long time because I, I was wondering if she was correct or not. And, it, and trust me, I've thought about it. I don't... I don't think I've joined another tribe. If I have, it's a very big tribe with just some very basic fundamental beliefs that we share. And those are, I believe in individual liberty. I believe in individualism. I believe in free speech. Which, by the way, is is the most anti-tribalist statement you can make. Yes, because I believe everybody in can believe what they... I believe in individualism. I'm everybody in the tribe that doesn't believe in tribes. Yeah, I'm in the tribe that doesn't believe we should be tribal. <laughs> even though it's our nature. I believe in individualism. I believe in free speech. I believe in the non-aggression principle. I don't think you should initiate force. So Carter and I, I believe in de debate and dialogue instead of fists and bullets. Right. Carter and I agree on those basic things. So if that puts us in the same tribe, it's a very big tent. You're <laughs> welcome to join us. You don't have to be a Christian. <laughs> you don't have to be an atheist. Uh, you don't have to be a Republican. You don't have to be a Democrat. You don't have to be, it doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative. It just, do you agree in individualism, free speech, and the non-aggression principle? Awesome, right? And right. I personally believe in civility and dialogue. I try to engage in civility and dialogue, but I don't even care if you agree with that, if, as long as you agree on the other things. I mean, I, I believe that they exist and are sometimes tactically smart. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but yeah, I, I look as an as an atheist, I would say I've I've not gone to I'm not telling people to be Christian because I'm not Christian. So I'm not like I haven't gone to be an advocate for Christianity in that sense. But I have started to um, be an advocate for um, defending Christianity against convergence by social justice because uh you know the the Christians who come at this from the perspective of individual rights. Now, I argue that they are natural rights, and they argue that the rights come are endowed by their Creator. Right? Um, I would love to be able to sit, sip some iced tea with you someday and have that be the main problem that we need to argue about and try and <laughs> convince you to be an atheist, but. Uh, that's not the main we can't, thing. Like, that's not the main problem that we have right now. The main problem is we have people who do not believe that individuals have rights at all. And that is extremely dangerous. And 
So we lock arm in arm to fight that battle. And frankly, the world where I'm disagreeing with Carrie and that's the biggest problem that we have is a wonderful world because Carrie and I aren't going to shoot each other over it. We're just going to argue. And and people are going to be left alone to do their things and we're going to have to win through debate and dialogue. And um, the, the danger is that there are people who don't want that world to exist, who, who want debate and dialogue to go away um, and who don't believe in individual rights. And it makes a lot of sense to join forces and fight for basically the founding principles of this country. Yeah. All right. So, by the way, I just got a, I'm, I'm just, I'm sharing this with you guys. Uh, cause it's just bothering me. I got to turn this. Someone says, I, I'm just getting a weird text. It's like, why are you ignoring my calls? <laughs> I don't know who it is. So I'm going to quit my message app. It's just annoying. It's BB. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know who you are. It's a number. Okay. Super chat. Sorry. Keith the hat guy is next. Keith the hat guy. Okay. You do it. Uh, Thank you, Keith. Keith says the difference between being a libertarian, small L, and the libertarian party, big L, big P, is the same as between wanting a Republican, small L, small R form of government and the Republican party, big R and big P. Yes. Uh, I think, although I stumbled across saying that that is correct <laughs> thank you keith all right hold on carrie i'll I'm, i will get down i know we got a lot of super chats let me find the next one yeah. that i can put up on screen i i don't i don't get to go through the youtube window i have to have a separate window for for this so uh hold on for a sec okay the next one is euphoric break do you see that one carrie nope you read it all right euphoric break thank you euphoric break speaking of pushback did you see all the blue lives matter marches over the weekend i think one was in new york city Carrie, did you see those? I saw a coverage of the one in New York. Yeah, and I saw, oh my gosh, it was a great photo. I'll see if I can send it to you. Did you see any of it? I saw that they existed. I did see actually that someone was shot, a white woman was shot somewhere for saying all lives matter. Oh gosh. Uh, and killed. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't, that wasn't reported part very of much. The, yeah, that wasn't part of the pushback though. That oh, was okay. just a couple uh, yeah. that was out. Yeah. I didn't see um, that. But she was killed, and of course, the media is not the legacy media is not going to cover that. Um, I'm sending you an image from the New York one that maybe you could put on the screen, although yeah. it has a, a curse word in it. So, uh, tip, That's okay. curse tip jar, whatever. Wait, I have to, curse I have to put money in. I, well, um, you're not. Are you? You're not swearing. You're just sharing the fact that someone else was swearing. Um, yeah, one of my friends shared this picture. This is from the New York one, and it's um, two guys. And it says, F.U. de Blasio. And then underneath it, it says, with love from the Albanian Americans. <laughs> I, just I like that they added with, with love. So that's From that's the Albanian good. Americans. And right. they look very happy in the picture. <laughs> right, de Blasio, on. I, I, man. I can't bring it up very easily. De Blasio, while you're pulling it up, just we didn't cover this. So there's just so much happening every week now. We used to... We used to say, I don't know if we have enough to cover for a daily show. And now we're getting to the point where I'm like, I don't we even know where much. to start. There's so much that happens. Yeah. yeah. But de Blasio, I don't know if you guys saw the interview. He basically saying no large gatherings uh, unless he explicitly said, unless you're BLM, that's it. You can protest as part of the social justice, Black, Black Lives Matter, the BLM protest. But that's it. Otherwise, you have to stay home. Like, I've, it's a, that's a first amendment lawsuit. Somebody yeah. should sue. There needs to be a group that sues. And I know there's a group that's pursuing. So yeah, there's the image with love <laughs> from the Albanian Americans. Um, 
just just the gall, the gall that they have, they, they feel safe. These uh, politicians feel safe going on legacy media and and telling us that, you know, it's only okay for you to exercise your First Amendment rights um, or your, your rights to, you know, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness if you're out in the street protesting as part of the group that has been rioting and looting. That's it. Right. If Otherwise, you agree with my yeah. political agenda. Then you can then. protest. So yeah. I've also seen, so New York, I think it was New York is where, um, so all these big cities now have been um, spending taxpayer money to paint these huge Black Lives Matter murals down the streets. There's a huge one here in Austin down yep. Congress Avenue. I've seen those. And yeah. so in New York, there's a group that's um, that filed a, a, a petition or wh whatever they put in for a permit to paint their own mural. I think it's called a women American Women First or something. It's it's some women's group, okay. and they're they have been denied. Okay, so New York granted the the oh, petition and did an emergency. You can't on the street. I mean, <laughs> right? They did an emergency petition and they pushed it through quickly to get this Black Lives Matter mural, but they're telling this women's group that they can't do a mural. So that's, again, First Amendment lawsuit. I hope they sue the pants off of him. You have to make an example out of these politicians. You have to make an example out of this kind of discrimination. Um, yeah. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's totally wrong. You know, and that, that couple that was in, in California who was painting over the Black Lives Matter mural with black paint, and now they're being charged with a hate crime? Yep. A hate crime. Oh, did you, that's nothing. Did you see the guy? There was a car that stopped at a crosswalk, and the crosswalk was a rainbow crosswalk. And they started, they they stopped, and then they went too quickly through it, so they left some tire tracks over the rainbow. They're searching for that car now to as a hate crime. What? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, we, we live in bizarre world. <laughs> we do live in bizarre world. You know, there are rioters in the streets. <laughs> there are people defacing and, and pulling down statues. There are people setting uh, small businesses on fire. And what are the police doing? They're being told, and I'm not <laughs> right. saying it's their fault. This is this is coming from higher. But, like, what are they fit spending? What are they being told to spend their time on? They just let, okay, here's something. Oh, gosh. You know, there have been so many of these hate crime hoaxes I've I've honestly lost track of them. I know there's a hate crime hoax tracker out there um, if people want to go catch up with them. But ever since Trump was elected, there's just been hate crime hoax after hate crime hoax. And the people in my SJW echo chamber, there used to be more of them, by the way. I, a lot of them have been friend of me. But the when I first started coming out of this belief system after Trump, like in the year or two after he won, so like 2017, 2018, I would see, they would share the hoaxes. They're all sharing them breathlessly because it validates their really effed up dark world view. And like, see, the world is as bad as we thought. See, see, see. And then as soon as it would come out as a hoax, they would never share the correction. Never. Right. Never. Because like that C.S. Lewis quote, they want the world to be as dark as they, they say it is. They want yes. it to be as bad as they say it is. Um, but so this is a new one that just happened. Um, this one, I'm sure you guys saw, this was at Texas A&M here in Texas. So this guy, Isaiah Martin, oh, can you see that? Is the light too bad? Yeah, anyway. I, we, I can sort of see it, yeah. Okay. Isaiah Martin, uh, a BLM activist. This is a tweet by Andy No, by the way. A BLM okay. activist at TAMU, uh, Texas A&M University, claimed in in an ultra viral tweet, and it, this tweet did go viral. This was huge. It was in the news here. 
um, that racist messages were left on his car. And he, he took this video and he tweeted at the time, I hate it here. Y'all still don't think that A&M is racist? Hashtag racism at Tamu feels like. And then he had a picture of his car with oh these God. signs he did this on himself, it that say, didn't he? he did this himself. And the signs say, you don't belong here. Uh, all lives matter. And then there's one with the N-word. Okay, they check security footage. Now, first of all, this story blew up. They take this kid's word for it. Again, it's one of those things where I immediately was skeptical because I've seen how many of these right. are hoaxes. It's like Matrix and, Girl. Yeah. Yeah, like, so it blows up. It goes everywhere. So then the police say, we reviewed security footage. He left the signs himself. Okay? He left the signs himself. Now, normally, when you fake a hate crime, you're going to face charges. Um, the police have decided that they are not going to charge him with wasting police resources, with a hate crime hoax, with sewing, you know, like there are so many things wrong with this. And what are we choosing to, uh, what crimes are they going after now? Did you see in the UK, they just, the police in the UK just arrested a 12 year old boy for sending hateful racist messages to a celebrity for mean things that he said on the internet a 12 year old and well, i mean i mean look this is the this is the message to the few good police that are out there <laughs> at some point you're working for the wrong people i mean who do you think is going to enforce this stuff right i mean you know we i know there are good cops because i talked to some of them so i know that they're there uh but especially in some of these major cities uh the best cops are gone. They're leaving. They're leaving. They're, leaving. they're gone or they're trying to leave because do you want to be an instrument of destruction? Because that's what you're turning yourself into. When they decide what crimes you should uh, prosecute or what crimes you should arrest people for and what you don't, and those crimes are clearly politically, those decisions are clearly politically motivated. Um, you know, the St. Louis couple just had their guns taken away. Well, who do you think showed up at their house to take their guns? The cops. So, you know, I, how did the cops help the St. Louis couple by showing up so that they didn't have to step onto their front lawn with guns? No. What did they do? They showed up later to take the guns away from the couple. I, I'm not sure. I know that there's a strong conservative leaning towards, you know, cops, 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 cops are great. Some of them are and some of them are there for the right reasons. But that's be, that's becoming less and less true. And I like... When this becomes a totalitarian state, who the hell do you think is going to shoot you? It's going to be the cops. It's the cops who enforce this stuff. The laws you don't like, it's the cops. The hate crime laws, it's the cops. The cops enforce this. So, yeah, they're supposed to protect, protect you from murder and from the mob. But they don't. Go to a – even a couple years ago, go to the well, Berkeley protest. they're being protest. told to stand down. They're told to stand down. So they don't, right? They're, the cops are, cops are told to stand down. They're told to not protect you. Um, you know, my friend just mentioned this the other day. She said, you know, if there's another LA riots, the cops are going to be arresting the Koreans on the rooftops, not anyone else. Those are the people that they're going to be arresting. So it, they're not, <laughs> you know, I, if you're a police officer and I know the ones that I talked to are already considering this, if you're, a, if you're a police officer, you need to really seriously consider what you're going to be forced to support because even some of the non urban centers are starting to have woke indoctrination just oh, here. go through their police in my little town 
in my little town, it's happening. They they spray painted a, uh, a cop's car while it was parked in his driveway, and he was in the house with his daughter overnight. Right. And I, there were pictures of it in our local forum, and it had been spray painted with some kind of Antifa messaging, and. People in my little town are defending it. The woke-tivists are defending right. it. I saw that. And, I, th- I don't know why I saw that article, but I did, yeah. Oh, I think that you might be still in that group that, that I got banned from. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Curious town. In my town, yeah. Uh, but they, yeah, they, that's happening here. And I know police officers here who are saying, like, why are we still doing this? We, we are being there. One of their sayings now they put on signs. They have the marches here. They have signs that say, uh, A C A B. That means all cops are bastards. They put A C A B on stuff. It's like, why are we even doing this? We're not being supported. We're being attacked, attacked and vilified. And, you know, I don't know. I think the good cops are going to leave. I think a lot of good cops have, and I think a lot of the the the, the few that are left are, are thinking about it. And um, look, a lot of communities, <laughs> I would voluntarily pay for cops that all they did was like arrest people who were stealing and hurting people in my community. Like, I, I just kind of want you to be there. If the house gets broken into, I want you to show up and go after the guy. Like, that's all I want. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't need you out doing anything else. You don't need to be policing hate crimes and like you don't need to do all this other crap, arresting people for violating stupid regulations like <laughs> masks or like having their barbershop open when they shouldn't or like I, I don't care. I don't care. And most people don't care. Um, most people's interaction with cops. I, you know, my friend asked me this the other day. She said to me, have cops ever actually helped you? And I'm, I'm in my mid 40s. And I stopped and I thought about it for a minute. Now, I'm going to put aside the cops that I'm friends with who have helped me like personally and trained with and whatever. Like, fine. Okay, separate. But like as an institution. Well, uh, definitely have been robbed before. That billion wrong was hit by uh, a crazy guy evading the cops at some point. Like lots of things have happened where cops could have helped me. Nope. They've never helped me. The only interaction I've ever had with cops that anything happened, it happened to me. It was like a speeding ticket. Um, and, you know, are they likely to help me move forward in the future? No. They're not likely to help me at all. Uh, have, have bad things happened? Yes. Have they done anything? Nope. And I think that's true for most people. If you, you ask yourself that question, have the cops ever actually helped you? <laughs> the answer is usually no, they haven't. That should tell you something about the state of the police. Not that the police are uh, all bad or not that they are a bad idea necessarily, even though I'm a voluntarist. Like, I'm not even saying they're necessarily a bad idea, but this is what it's but come what to. what kinds of interactions are you most likely to have with them? Is that right. what you're saying, I guess? Yeah. Hmm. Right. Uh, well, okay, we should do some super chats because we have to wrap up. Yes. It's almost been Sorry. two hours. All right. To a self-defense law, thank you. To uh, a self-defense law says, I live in Minneapolis. The businesses would write hashtag BLM on all their businesses, just like the Israelites smear blood on their doors. BLM equals angel of death. Actually, they're writing BLM because it's 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 a way of paying the protection money to the mob. Like it's it's it's. Uh, but that's what I'll use the word spiritual money. Doors. It's spiritual protection money. Yeah, yeah. 
But that's um, what he means with blood on the doors. It's like, please pass over this pass house. over this house, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. It's the Passover reference. Yeah, no, I, yeah. Uh, except it's it's not protection from God. <laughs> it's protection no, from a, a roving mob of crazy people. Uh, all right, let's find the next super chat. Why are you all smiley? All right. Why bother? Did you see the why bother one? You want to read this one? My favorite artist is Isaac Asimov. Logic is prominent in his books. By the way, uh, R. Daniel Oliva got a gender switch in the coming series, Sensing More BS. Um, I haven't I haven't read this person. Asimov wrote iRobot. Um, he's the oh, one responsible okay. for the, the laws of robotics. Um I uh, I do th I do think logic is prominent in his books. I don't think he's very good at applying it hierarchically. Like I, just as a nerd, the three laws of robotics are like, oh yeah, because you don't understand how concepts are formed. So those are your three laws, and of course they would fail. Um, but uh, my favorite science fiction person who who I think is a little bit more philosophically up in my alley is Robert Heinlein, which I know a lot of libertarian type people, small l like. Uh, all right. Um, so while you're pulling up the next one, I just wanted to point out that we smoke Bitcoin said earlier that, uh, Reddit has deleted the hate crime hoaxes board, oh. which I, I haven't confirmed that yet, but I just saw it in the chat, but I believe it cause they've been deleting a lot of boards. They've now said they're going to censor and they are. So, uh, okay. Reddit why bother the Ravelry route? Reddit Ravelry. Yep. Yep. Why bother gave us two euros for the curse jar? You can say it, Carrie. So uh, there's there's the curse jar. The curse jar. jar, you can say it. Cool. Thank you. Thank you for the super chat. Little ragamuffin. Hi, little ragamuffin. She says uh, they don't want us coming together to share ideas that they don't agree with. This is why they are closing bars and restaurants. The American Revolution was conceived in bars. It is our history. I saw you point this out yesterday, little ragamuffin. I thought it was an excellent point that I hadn't considered about the American Revolution being conceived in bars. You, they do not want us hanging out together right now. There's something, so so I don't believe, um, someone on my wall was, was saying with me, you know, uh, I don't get people that think that COVID is a big conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. I don't think COVID's a conspiracy. I just think people in powerful positions will use it and are using it to get what they want. Never let a crisis go to waste. Let a crisis go to waste, and you know this is an election year, mm -hmm. and uh, there's once something you said early on to me way back in January or February, maybe February about if they start um, forcing people to stay at home or forcing mass policies and stuff like that. Once people have power, it's hard to get it to for them to give it up. And yep. I didn't believe you at the time, and I do now. Yes, it's hard to get it back from them. Well, there's but not a long right. history of governments voluntarily relinquishing power that they've seized. So, so, Dubois, um, so uh, Cuomo just said in New York that uh, indoor indoor restaurants they're not going to allow people to sit inside indoors at a restaurant anymore. Right. And my question was naturally, well, since you guys are already being hypocrites and not allowing outside gatherings except for BLM, um, I assume that BLM will be able to protest inside of restaurants. Right. Is that going to That'll well, because, okay. you know, New York is a balmy place, so outside, it's great. Mid-January, restaurants outside, great idea. Um, you know, the bars thing, 
there's two distinct differences about hanging out in a bar versus getting together online. One is it's very hard to keep up the hatred and division when you have to look someone in the face, right? You get a more human experience when you're when you're talking to them. Yeah. Um, the other thing is they can't monitor what you're doing. I mean, I guess technically they could. Your cell phone could pick up everything you're saying, but that's a lot of work. It's much easier to pay attention to what you're doing online. So a better way to pay attention to who's getting together against the social justice establishment is to force them to just have their interactions online, and it encourages them to hate each other, which is, you know, what they want. So What they want. Yeah. So a right. uh, couple of things before we close okay uh if you guys if it was your first time here we thank you for joining us and for those who have been here from the beginning thank you for being here and being so civil to new people and uh if you missed the beginning we mentioned we have a new we're trying out something new we're doing a specific financial goal for a specific Mm. event we want to go to the better discourses conference in august in milwaukee and uh, Carter had set up on, on Subscribestar, go to Unsafe Space. You can donate specifically for that event. Um, the two of us would like to go and shoot some interviews with people. And also the DNC is happening that weekend. So maybe we could shoot something there. Um, and we have book club coming up. We have not picked the date yet. Carter and I need to have a discussion about if we're going to break this book up or not. But you can start reading it now. We're reading Atlas Shrugged. It's a big, lengthy read. So start now. Um, you should, yeah, you and, should start soon because I'm I'm just like I'm ready for book club now because I've been reading. Oh I'm, my gosh, I, I read it way faster than I intended to, so uh, I'm not done, but I'm close. Uh, so uh, I thought it was going to take I, me forever, but yeah. crap, I don't even have the book yet. I will uh, buy the I, book for you and send it to you today, so you have no excuse. Okay. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so um, uh, yeah. I I think that's it. Is there anything else? I don't think so. Um, Go check out. Uh, deprogrammed yeah go check out deprogrammed we've got video from yesterday uh, with Paul Vanderclay and we got some more videos coming out so stay tuned for that Um, oh oh and if we do get to go by the way Ninja Kitty just posted a link to the Better Discourses event in Mm -hmm. in August if we do get to go I definitely will do some kind of unsafe space meetup. So if you're in the Milwaukee area or if you go to the conference and we're able to go, we will let you know about that because I would love to meet anybody who's there. Yes. So. And if you could talk Dr. K into going, we'll we'll hang out with Dr. K as well. Um, we had one more super Thank chat here from Why Bother. He oh. says, a big fan of Heinlein too, would like to talk sci-fi. I'm not as well versed in sci-fi as my nerd personality would imagine. It would cause you to imagine I am, but... Moon is a Harsh Mistress is my favorite of the Heinlein books. I like some of the other ones, but that was the one I tried to get into book club. But uh, it didn't work. But I did get Atlas Shrugged into book club, so I'm happy with that. But, yeah, we can we can talk sci-fi at some point. Um, I Rib do says think... this show is... Huh? Sorry. Rib says this show is like cow manure for my brain, and I mean that in the best possible way. <laughs> I, I hope you mean fertilizer. Uh, yeah. But... Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, that uh, let's not ask why this made me think of AOC, but um, <laughs> Ninja Kitty posted a couple AOC clips uh, at the beginning of this in, in chat, way back at the beginning before we started. And I just want to point something out to people who um, maybe not have, hasn't seen this too much. Um, 
she is defending uh, the looters in one of the videos. And if you watch her defense of the looters, it's it's really interesting because the police, there's an uptick in crime in New York, and the police do the thing that normally AOC's side does. They have a univariate cause that they put forward. It's because of this, right? Um, and she is deft, and she's great at, like, pointing out all the possible causes it could be. It couldn't be univariate. Look at all the possible reasons that could contribute to this. We can't say it's this one cause. And uh, I, it just... The reason to pay attention to it is to notice that she's perfectly capable of recognizing that univariate solutions and univariate answers are a logical fallacy. But she only fails to recognize that when the univariate answer is the one she wants. Um, and so I don't think she's a great thinker. I think she's just an excellent mouthpiece. She's a very good mouthpiece for the cause. There's probably other people behind her. But notice that the left, you know, they do, they love the univariate cause if the univariate cause is what they want it to be. But if it's not, they're very good, actually, at pointing out all the other possible reasons it could be. Uh, so I just want to point that out. There's a shock, a little bit of inconsistency there. So with that, I'm done. Carrie, are you done? Anything else? I'm done. The mailman just came. So All right. Well, we better, we better yeah. let uh, Tiger go get the mailman. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. You can go to subscribestar.com slash unsafespace, and you can... Uh, Go to unsafespace.com generally. And I don't know. Have a great week. We will see you on Friday. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 97.8% chance that these are all rushing bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Social justice is a healthy way to experience feelings of moral superiority. That last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.